Good to see everyone here again this morning. Let us open in God's Word together to Revelation chapter 18. Revelation 18, as we continue our series here through the book of Revelation. As you're turning to the book of Revelation, this morning we come to the subject of doomsday. Now, this coming day of doom is often discussed in our world, right? There are movies that are made about it. There are songs that are sung about it. There are books that are written about it. There's even a comic book villain that is named after it. But what do we know about doomsday and what causes it? Environmentalists warn that human pollution can lead to it. Politicians warn that military weapons can lead to it. And ethicists warn that genetic manipulation or scientific advancement can lead to it. But this morning, God reveals to us our coming, uh, our coming doomsday. And he shows us what does lead to this day of doom which is mankind's sin. So let us then read together here this chapter from God's Word, Revelation 18. The Apostle John records that after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works, in the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her, in the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen, and am no widow, and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her. When they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble, 
and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city of Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpets shall not be heard in you any more. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you any more, and the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you any more. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you any more, and the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you any more. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, and for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all who were slain on the earth. Brothers and sisters, let us once more return to the throne of God in prayer before we continue. Oh, Father, in these hard words of doom, may we find our hope that Christ will be magnified even here in the description of the destruction of this world under your judgment. So, Father, help us to then see Christ here through this word this morning, that your Holy Spirit will be at work in each and every one of our hearts to then hear of Christ, to recognize our need of Christ so that we will be saved by his blood that we will be sanctified in him and that we will persevere in our faith until the day he returns at the end of this age when we will receive the glorious blessings you promise us as an inheritance in him So, Lord, O Father, so empower your words this morning that they will have your perfect effect in the lives of all who are gathered. We pray for all these things in the name of our sweet Savior, Jesus Christ. 
So, brothers and sisters, what are we shown about doomsday then in this chapter? It's that this sinful world will come under God's judgment. This sinful world will come under God's judgment. And this unfolds then through four stages through this chapter. The first stage is in verses 1 to 3, where we read of the arrival of God's judgment. This brings us to the second stage in verses 4 to 8 with the announcement at God's judgment. The third stage we read in verses 9 to 20 with the anguish in God's judgments. And then finally, the fourth stage given in verses 21 to 24 with the affliction through God's judgment. So the arrival of God's judgment, the announcement at God's judgment, the anguish in God's judgment, and the affliction through God's judgment. Let us begin then by looking closer at this first stage as it unfolds in verses 1 to 3, the arrival of God's judgment. Here the Apostle John has been recording these symbolic visions of prophecy from God in this book to encourage Christ's churches as we struggle and suffer through this present evil age. It's because Christ has redeemed us and set us free from our slavery to sin by his death on the cross where he took our place and endured the wrath of God that we deserve as our substitute. But we still live in a sin-cursed and corrupt world, don't we? A world that hates God, that opposes Christ's church. Which is why we are living in a spiritual war with our enemy Satan, and we face persecution and tribulation in this age. But as Revelation records, our war will intensify as the end of this age approaches, when Satan raises up the Antichrist and the false prophet to deceive the nations and to oppress and overcome Christ's church as he unifies the governmental and the economic and the religious powers of this world in his battle against us. Well, the capital city of the Antichrist worldwide empire is here symbolically called Babylon, since it was from this capital city of Babylon that the wicked Babylonian empire opposed and persecuted God's people Israel in the Old Testament. And here in John's day, as he's writing this, the capital city of Rome and the Roman Empire were persecuting Christians, which is why she is seen spiritually then as this city of Babylon which will one day be revived under the rule of the Antichrist to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And it's during this time that Christ's church will come under severe economic hardship. Because it's only those who follow the Antichrist and receive the mark of the beast who can buy and sell. So imagine what this would be like for Christians not being able to go to the store and buying for your needs, whether food or clothing. Not being able to 
purchase a home or to pay rent. Not being able to pay for gas or for other forms of transportation. This will leave Christians in poverty and destitute because they cannot participate in society. Babylon, then, is a city that represents humanity's stubborn refusal to submit to God in their sin, as well as their final effort to oppose and oppress Christ's church through their power. But Babylon here is also pictured as a harlot, as a harlot who prostitutes herself since this city seduces those living on the earth with her pleasures to draw people away from God in her sin. And so it is like this whole world has cheated on God by being intimate with the great harlots, indulging in her pleasures. They have given themselves over to her seduction, seeking the joy and gratification that she offers them. But what we find here, then, is that her pleasures and her prosperity won't last. Which is why the judgment of this great harlot that was spoken of in chapter 17 is now seen in chapter 18. And so as 18 begins, another angel comes down from heaven with great authority and is illuminated with God's glory to make a declaration from God's throne. And what does the angel declare? That Babylon the Great has fallen. Now this has already been proclaimed back in chapter 14, verse 8. But here the time has finally come for this wicked city to be judged by God. So look at the three ways that Babylon is now described. As a dwelling place of demons as a prison for every foul spirit, and as a cage for every unclean and hated bird. The city has become demonic, depraved, and dirty. Well, the angel is here using Old Testament language of prophetic judgment to describe the destruction that will arrive against the city. Because this great city will be overrun by evil demonic spirits and by unclean scavenger birds. That's why George Eldon Ladd writes that when this desolation has befallen the city, she will no longer be the mistress of civilization. No longer will she be inhabited by princes and merchants. She will be so desolated that no human being will set foot in her. And why has she come under God's judgment? Well, three reasons are given. First, her worldwide reach. Because all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, disobeying God in their sin by participating in her immorality and her idolatry, which means that they will be judged with her. Not only do we read of her worldwide reach, we also read of her political influence. Because the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, worshiping the Antichrist and bringing their power to bear against God and his people. 
So she comes under God's judgment for her worldwide reach, for her political influence, and third, for her economic success. Because the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. See, when capitalism is driven by greed, it leads to great wealth and riches for the traders and and the bankers and the business owners of the world who peddle the pleasure of her things and the things of this world to a consumeristic culture that seeks to satisfy its desires through her wares. But brothers and sisters, this is the future that awaits Christ's church. And this is the future, then, that ultimately awaits the sinful world. Because however powerful or prominent or prosperous the society and its people may become, God's judgment will arrive. So yes, the church will be persecuted at the hand of Babylon. But Babylon will be judged with the arrival of God's judgment. So are you ready? for God's judgment. Because we will all face the arrival of God's judgment. And if you remain in your sin, this judgment will lead to the very punishment of your soul. This is then why, well, this is why we look to Christ. Oh, come to Christ this morning in whom your love is found. Not the false love of this world and the great harlot, but the true love of God, who in Christ has poured out His love to save you from the wrath of God you deserve. So come to Christ today. Turn away from your sins and repentance. Turn to Christ in faith, trusting in Him and His death on the cross for you as He offers Himself to sinners so that we will no longer fear the the punishment and condemnation that comes with the arrival of God's judgment but we'll look forward to what we will enter into at the end of this age as the world, the, the, the world to come is in joy. So there's this first stage here in this chapter of the arrival of God's judgment. But this brings us then to the second stage in this chapter Verses 4 to 8, with the announcement at God's judgment. Because now another voice speaks from heaven, calling Christ's church to separate from Babylon, saying, come out of her, my people. See, this world's seductions tempt us to participate in its fleeting pleasures, doesn't it? And our sinful hearts are drawn and attracted then to what this city offers. But we must not be led astray 
by our devotion to Christ. By loving this world and the things of this world. But like Satan, their spiritual father, this world tempts us by asking, has God really said? They call evil good and good evil. Seducing us with evil by deceiving us to believe it's good. So what happens if we do not separate ourselves from Babylon? We share in her sins. See, we forsake Christ by joining with the world in its pursuit of wickedness. And the result of our sharing in her sins is that we will receive her plagues. To fall for the world's seductions is to fall with the world in judgment. Because you cannot love God and this world. So if you love this wicked world, then you'll come under her judgment as a citizen of Babylon. Because God is righteous. And he cannot and he will not ignore the sinfulness of mankind. Who John records here, rise so high, they are piled up so high that they reach heaven itself. Where God then remembers all of her iniquities. That's why in Jeremiah 51, verse 45, the prophet Jeremiah called Israel to flee Babylon. And he said, my people go out of the midst of her and let everyone deliver himself from the fierce anger of the Lord. So now spiritual Israel is once again called by the prophet John to flee Babylon, to be delivered from the plagues of the Lord so that we can return from our exile and enter our great promised land in the world to come. Come out of her, we are commanded. But not only are we to come out of her, we also see that we are to render to her just as she has rendered to us. And again, this is how God spoke to his people in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 29. Read, call together the archers against Babylon, all you who bend the bow, and camp, it all, uh, and camp against it all around. Let none of them escape. Listen, repay her according to her work, according to all she has done due to her, for she has been proud against the Lord, against the Holy One of Israel. So this is the carrying out of retributive justice, which we have already read about here in the book of Revelation. But in Latin, the lex talionis, which can be translated the law of retribution, which is commonly known from the saying of God's law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We are to repay double her works against us. Mixing double the cup which she mixed against us. But this isn't referring to double the amount of her punishment. It's an expression that means the full and complete punishment for all that she has done against us, referring to the full strength of her penalty. God's law of retribution then comes in Babylon, receiving the measure of her torment and sorrow that matches the measure of her glorifying herself rather than God and of her living luxuriously in this world rather than loving those who live in this world. 
But here's the problem. The problem is that this world thinks everything is fine. That everything will stay as it is. And so Babylon foolishly boasts with pride in her heart by saying, I sit as the queen. I am no widow. I will not see sorrow or grief. Which is the same boast that Babylon makes in Isaiah's prophecy against her in Isaiah 47, verses 7 and 9. But what do we see here will come against Babylon in this day? God's plagues of judgment. Death, mourning, famine. And she will be utterly burned with the fires of hell under his judgment, since the Lord God is strong and in control. And he will carry out his eternal torment of fire against her for her sinfulness. You see then how as Christians then that we cannot live at peace with this world. Because God has set us apart from the world as his people, which is why we are at war with it. May we then not listen to the seductions of this world, but separate from it. As those who are in the world, but not of the world. As Christians are so often reminded. Because God's judgment is coming against this world. And his judgment will be carried out. So there is the arrival of God's judgment. And there is the announcement at God's judgment. But as this chapter continues to unfold in verses 9 to 20, we come to our third stage, which is the anguish in God's judgment. Back in verse 3, we read of three groups who committed fornication and adultery with Babylon. And now that she has fallen under God's judgment, we see the anguish of these three peoples who benefited from her luxury and prosperity. There's the kings of the earth, the merchants of the earth, and the traders of the sea who together have become quite successful and wealthy in selling and spreading her goods and services around the world. So each of them take their turn here by lamenting the judgment of Babylon through offering funeral eulogies here of her passing and her death. And in so doing, we find many parallels here through the lamentation of Tyre, which is offered in Ezekiel 27. Tyre was an ancient commercial center, an important shipping hub of the, of the world, which here symbolizes then the greatness of Rome. So we begin then with the kings of the earth and their funeral eulogy. Because they have enjoyed the pleasure and prosperity of Babylon in committing fornication and living luxuriously with her. But now they have lost these things. So they weep and lament. They have seen all of her prosperity and, and her pleasure burn up in flames under the judgment of God as they watch the smoke of her burning. And because of how severe her judgment has been, they stand at a distance for fear of her torment. Because this torment is so full and so fierce, no one wants to experience it. 
And those that drew close to her now desert her in her hour of judgment. But what do they cry out and lament? That this great and mighty city quickly come to an end under God's judgment. In one hour, city is destroyed. But not only do the kings of the earth offer their eulogy, we next read of the merchants of the earth who offer their eulogy. They step forward as they weep and mourn over her since all of their economic and business success has evaporated. See, no one is buying their merchandise anymore. And look at all of the expensive merchandise that's listed there in verses 12 to 13. These are the kinds of things that you would see in the homes of the ancient lifestyles of the rich and famous TV show. But everything listed here is sold for your selfish indulgence. So that buying these things reveals a life of worldliness, where you live for yourself, rather than a life that glorifies God and that helps others. Yet all the fruit that was just listed in these verses, that your soul longs for, will one day be gone. All of the things of this world that are like these rich and splendid luxuries are gone. They can no longer be found at all. They are gone forever. Because the things of this world will not last. So like the kings, these merchants who became rich by her stand at a distance for fear of her torment as well. God's judgment is overwhelming to behold. And so they weep and wail as they lament her loss. It's all of the luxury of her clothes and wealth of her jewelry has been quickly stripped away and came to nothing. And their materialism has been exposed for what it really is, which is nothing. So the kings of the earth offer their eulogy, and then it's followed by the merchants of the earth who offer their eulogy. But then third, we come to all those involved in trading and transporting her goods, the traders of the sea, offering their eulogy as well. This includes the shipmasters and sailors, the travelers and trailer, traders standing at a distance and crying out when they see the smoke of her burning. And they say, what is like this great city? Because they cannot believe that this great city is gone. And to show their mourning of her loss, they throw dust on their heads. To voice their deep sadness, they cry out weeping and wailing over what has happened. So here we hear the lament of their loss that all of the riches they have gained from her wealth are gone. And like the others, they recognize how quickly she is made desolate in God's judgment. So with all three of these funeral, funeral eulogies, you know what we don't hear? We don't hear words of repentance towards God, do we? 
but we only hear words of sorrow for what they have lost. Oh, the selfishness of sin and the hardness of the human heart in sin. This is what the peoples of the world will speak and say when the great city whom they've loved comes to an end. But in contrast with the anguish over Babylon's fall, heaven responds differently. Because heaven is told to rejoice. This city, with all of its sinfulness and wickedness, has finally come to an end. And so her persecution against Christ's church, with all of the Christians who are killed for their faith in martyrdom, is finally over. So the holy apostles and prophets who struggled and suffered under her rejoice as well in their vindication. There is a rejoicing that comes among God's people. The judgment of the wicked. Because in this justice, God avenges his people. This is something that Christ's church looks forward to through this age. So that impacts how we live in this world. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he writes in Romans 12, verses 17 and 21, these words to followers of Christ. Paul says, Repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So there is a vengeance that will come on behalf of God's people, but it will come through God in the day of judgment. So as one commentator writes about these verses, the whole scene could be likened to a universal courtroom in which a class action lawsuit takes place. Plaintiffs in this suit are Christians together with all those killed on the earth. The defendant is Babylon or Rome, who is charged with murder in the interest of power and idolatry. And the presiding judge is God. As announced previously, Babylon or Rome has lost the lawsuit, and therefore its associates break out in lamentation and mourning while the heavenly court and Christians rejoice over the justice they have finally received. So we began by looking at the arrival of God's judgment, which then was followed by the announcement at God's judgment, and then third, the anguish in God's judgment. But as this chapter unfolds, finally we come to the fourth stage in verses 21 to 24 with the affliction through 
God's judgment. What does the affliction of God's judgment look like? We're never directly told what this judgment will look like when it comes. Instead, we have a mighty angel here who gives us a word picture to show us what this judgment will be like as he picks up a stone like a great millstone and throws it into the sea. Now this great millstone would have weighed several tons and been pulled by a donkey to grind grain. So it here then represents Babylon that is thrown into the sea and sinks to the bottom never to be seen again. This echoes again God's judgment against Babylon in the prophet Jeremiah. We read in Jeremiah 51, verses 63 to 64. Now it shall be when you have finished reading this book that you shall tie a stone to it and throw it out into the Euphrates. Then you shall say, thus Babylon shall sink and not rise from the catastrophe that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. So do you see how God's judgment against her will come with violence? Her destruction will be devastating and that she will not be found anymore. So as this angel explains what this throwing the stone into the sea represents, don't miss how permanent God's judgment is. Because at the end of each statement that the angel makes, he ends by repeating this refrain, that it shall not be heard in you anymore. 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 In other words, Babylon has been destroyed. Never to return again. And look at all of the good things of life will be lost through God's judgment against Babylon. Music and art, crafts and goods, fine foods, home lamps, and joyful weddings will all end when this world comes under judgment. All of these things were gained from Babylon. From the necessities of life to the luxuries of pleasure, which will be lost by the nations that have remained in their sin. Why? Because they have been supplied by the merchants who deceived the nations and led them astray by their sorcery, which here doesn't so much describe magic as to the trickery and seduction that the nations have fallen for. So instead of worshiping God, and having eternal life in him to enjoy. Where there would be a vibrant culture of life in this world. We see that this city is reduced to ashes and death. As it is left barren under God's judgment. And until this day of judgment comes, 
we read that the church must endure persecution and martyrdom for our faith in Christ, because this is a time of suffering and tribulation, which will increase and intensify as the end of this age approaches. But through this chapter, we see that our justice will come. Babylon the Great will fall. And this sinful world will come under God's judgments. So listen. Listen. This is where our hope as believers in Christ is found. That this sinful world will come under God's judgment. Because doomsday is coming. How then will you react when this world comes under God's judgment to meet its doom? Will you mourn in anguish in all that you will lose? Or will you rejoice in God's judgment with all that you will gain in Christ? Because in Christ, whatever we may lose in this world will not compare to what we will gain in the world to come. Without Christ, there is nothing to gain. But everything you may have in this world will one day be lost under the judgment of God. Let us then hear these words from Jesus in light of doomsday when he speaks to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See how Christ calls us to live as those who follow him? the treasures of earth will not last. And those who lay up for yourselves these treasures have been seduced by the great harlot Babylon. But the treasures in heaven will last. So lay up for yourselves these treasures through your faith in Christ, even when it means hardship, when it means poverty, when it means death. Oh, may we all repent of our worldliness and trust that all of our struggles and suffering in life will be made right when our justice comes and the sinful world will come under God's judgment. Brothers and sisters, this will be a time not to fear the torment of God's judgment, but to rejoice in the coming of God's justice. May we then be those who rejoice rather than mourn. 
who rejoice rather than lament, who rejoice rather than weep. Because we have stored up for ourselves treasures in heaven through Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Oh, Father, may these hard and even harsh words give us hope. The hope of Christ and the eternal future that we look forward to in Him. May we not be seduced by this world in the great city Babylon in loving this world and the things of this world. But may we live for the world to come. As we repent of our wilderness and look to Christ as we receive His grace and are empowered by His Spirit to enjoy the eternal life that we will receive when He returns. Father, we pray then for all these things in the name of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.